Good morning. My name is Andrew. If you don't know me, and I am one of the pastors here, it is great to be here this holiday weekend. Um, I have shared this before. Some of you may remember this. Maybe you've forgotten. But I am training for the Monumental Marathon in October in Indianapolis. And um, I'm sure, well, <laughs> thank you, I guess. I haven't accomplished anything yet, so let's hold off on that. But um, you probably forgot that, but my body has not forgotten that I am training for this thing. And uh, it is hard. It is really hard uh, to get out there and to run and uh, to all the wear and tear on my muscles, my heart, my lungs, the hot, humid August that we have continued into this week apparently is still um, after me, but uh, it has been very difficult. Um, I, I'm quickly realizing that race day is probably the easy part if you're training correctly, that the training itself is what is so hard. And um, this is uh, something that happened to me over the course of this journey that I've been a couple months already, and I'm seven weeks away. But I experienced some pretty significant knee pain where I had to kind of stop running for at least a couple of weeks. And I was talking to somebody who I'd been seeking advice from on this journey. They've done this before and they were asking me, well, uh, have you been doing the strength training days? And I was like, strength training days? What are you talking about? And uh, there I knew that was probably my problem. That they're like, well, you have to strengthen your knees. You need to do lunges. You need to do um, step-ups. You need to build and strengthen your knees as well as all of the running that you're doing. And I'm thinking, you mean there's more than just running 20 miles a week training for this thing? I don't know if I signed up for all of that. But um, after training and strengthening my knee. I've got that in the rear view mirror and I am now on the road doing well at this point. Um, so today we are in a new series called Bodybuilders. And this is not about turning you into marathon runners. This is not about getting you into the gym, which maybe we should do those things, but that's not what this series is about. Just as I was thinking about my training and thinking about how there it is possible to start a physical workout thinking that you're doing something healthy for your body only to realize that you're actually doing damage to yourself, that that's actually possible. And your team of teachers, your pastors, we've been thinking about that, like in the context of our physical bodies, but also about a few other areas of your life. Maybe you have started a home renovation project, no elbows needed out there, but uh, you thought you were going to improve your home and you only made it worse as that happened. Have you thought, you know, I can fix the car only to do something Worse, have you thought, I could fix the computer? I know the part we need. I'm going to install this thing only to ruin it. Now, that is very possible, isn't it? Sometimes we can do it on our own and it works great, but other times it is possible to do more harm than good. Now, the question, the hard question for us today is is that possible with your faith? Is it? 
Can you do more harm than good by trying to do something all on your own? Is that possible? Well, we are studying the New Testament book of 1 Corinthians for the next several weeks. You can turn to the book of 1 Corinthians. Uh, We'll be hanging out there all day. And there are all kinds of amazing things to uncover in this letter. Uh, All kinds of things that God says to the church in Corinth that then we can listen in on and learn and apply to our life and to our church. But there is one statement about two-thirds of the way through the letter in chapter 11 that catches my attention. 11.17 says this. Check this out. This is crazy to me. In the following instructions, I, Paul, cannot praise you, for it sounds as if more harm than good is done when you meet together. I think I need to read that again. It sounds as if more harm than good is done when you, the church in Corinth, meet together. I don't know if you knew that the Apostle Paul told a church that. A church that he planted. A church that he loved. A church that he cared about. He said, you know, like, when you gather together, kind of like what we're doing right now, um, He said, you guys would probably do better off in your faith if you just didn't do that (laughs) at all. It's causing harm. Isn't that amazing to think that that's what God is saying to this church, what Paul is saying to this church? Hey, stop. You're causing more harm. And did you know that that means that that's not only true for the church in Corinth, that that's true for churches, that's true for churches now, that's true for us, that just simply rallying and coming to worship together on a Sunday doesn't mean we've earned any medals. It doesn't mean that we've made any progress by taking time out of a holiday weekend to show up. You're not getting any points just for sitting here right now. And this isn't just for you. This is definitely for people like me, people who are planning these services, who are teaching in these gatherings. This is very important that we have a responsibility to help all of our church, to help you make sure we're making progress in our faith and that we're not going backwards in our faith because it is possible Wow, that's kind of a big deal. We could actually go backwards if we're not careful. And one thing that I kind of take some encouragement from in this, as much of a cautionary tale as this is, I am confident because I've talked to many of you, I've talked to many of my neighbors, people in this community, people in our culture who have had experiences in local churches, whether it's a worship service, maybe it's something that a pastor has said, maybe it was an event, maybe it was something somewhere in the life of a church that kind of left somebody with a scar, somebody, you know, with some wounds. I'm confident knowing us in our culture that that has happened to people right here, right now, sitting in front of me. I know that. I'm very aware of that. 
that there is damage that can be done when a church is not built right. And what's interesting to me is that that is not a surprise to God. There's actually a category right here in 1 Corinthians. Paul is telling us, the Lord is saying that that, that's a thing. There are churches that do more harm than good. Right here, this is an example of that, that that's real and that's acknowledged, that that's a thing. But fortunately for us, fortunately for the church in Corinth, there is a workout plan of sorts. It's a spiritual workout to get in shape. But that's the whole point of this letter is that Paul is like, we need to get in shape so that doesn't continue to happen. And so it's a workout plan for them and now for us. So are you ready? Are you ready for this workout plan? I know you're ready to jump in. First Corinthians chapter one. And as we jump in, there's a few things that we need to know. Why was it so harmful when this church was gathering? What was it that they were doing that was so bad? Now, if you have read any of this letter in the past, if you've read 1 Corinthians, I'm sure many of you have, but maybe you haven't read the letter of 1 Corinthians. That's okay. We're going to study it together. But if you haven't read it, there are some pretty shocking things that happen in the life of this church. It's pretty amazing to hear the problems that Paul addresses in the church in Corinth. It kind of makes you blush a little bit from time to time. Okay, I didn't know that the church struggled with that. And he goes right in. Let's just say, if I wrote a letter to the church in Corinth, it would be a lot shorter than Paul's letter. In fact, I have it right here, ready to send to Corinth. See, I'm gonna put this in the mail. It's gonna get there. I am confident. I don't know how many stamps I need to put on the letter to get to Corinth in Greece later today. It won't be uh, in the mail tomorrow, obviously, but uh, we'll get there. But here is my letter. See, I actually wrote a letter, I promise, to Corinth, and it's really short. This is it. This is Pastor Andrew from White River Christian Church. Are you kidding me? Division, incest, idolatry, chaos in your worship service, drunkenness during communion. Who does that? You're denying the resurrection of the dead. This is a joke. You need to stop it. Stop it right now. And if you can, we can talk more. Grace and peace, Pastor Andrew. That's my letter. There you go. It's going in the, in the mail. Those are all things that this church was participating in. That's no joke. They are messed up. The church in Corinth was spiritually out of shape, but fortunately for them and actually for us, Paul, and more importantly, Jesus, looks at them a little differently he would say something more along these lines. No one is too out of shape to build the kingdom of God. You can't find anybody that's too out of shape to build the kingdom of God. 
You cannot be disqualified from building the kingdom of God or even being included in it. That God is so gentle with his bride. He's so gentle with the church that he gave them a plan to jumpstart their faith even though they were a mess. And they were. God is so gentle compared to me, compared to our visceral fleshly reactions. But let's listen to the, the inspired version, not uh, Andrew's version of the letter to the Corinthians. That was quite short and not inspired. Let's listen to God's inspired version, 1 Corinthians chapter one. This is how it really goes. This letter is from Paul chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus from our brother Sosthenes. I am writing to God's church in Corinth, to you who have been called by God to be his own holy people. He made you holy by means of Christ Jesus, just as he did for all people everywhere who call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours. May God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. I always thank my God for you and for the gracious gifts he has given you now that you belong to Christ Jesus. Through him, God has enriched your church in every way with all of your eloquent words and all of your knowledge. This confirms that what I told you about Christ is true. Now you have every spiritual gift that you need as you eagerly await the the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. He will keep you strong to the end so that you will be free from all blame on that day when our Lord Jesus Christ returns. God will do this. He is faithful to do what he says and he has invited you into partnership with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. A little different than my letter. A lot different. My gut reaction to this struggling church is so different and praise God that there is a space for people that are out of shape spiritually. That this letter, if you don't sense it, I would say that in itself is evidence that the Holy Spirit has inspired someone to write something. It just, it has to be. It's laser focused on Jesus. The care and concern for the church is just off the charts. It's from the Lord. Paul mentions Jesus nine times in nine verses. And we see how much care and concern is given to this church. That it's a, it's a gift to these leaders. It's, it's a gift that God has given them. That, that this church is, is something that needs to be handled with the utmost care. And you may be thinking, well, Man, seems like they're getting off the hook. Well, read the rest of the letter. There are some hard things for sure that are shared, that are difficult. He has much to say to the church, but this is how it starts. And so if we're gonna work out our faith, there's a couple of things we need to know. One, that there's not just one way to work out your faith. There's many ways to work out our faith. 
But as we enter into this, there is kind of a prescription. There's a few things that Paul helps us understand as we jump into this, how we should be thinking about working out our faith, that there's a proper way to do it. The first is right here in the first couple of verses. You have to have the right motivation in your head, in your heart. You need to understand why. Why am I working out? Why am I working out my faith? Why am I putting in all this effort to grow spiritually? Why should we do this as a church? Why should we try so hard to do things in a world where spiritually it's, it's difficult? And that's true of a physical workout. It's true of a spiritual workout. If you don't know why you're working out, if you don't know why you're training, if I don't know why I'm running this marathon, I will quit. I'm going to quit because I won't know that it's worth it. I won't know why I'm doing it. And the same thing is true here. And in verse two, we get right at the heart of why this matters. Verse two, I am writing to God's church in Corinth. God's church. It's God's church. It's not Paul's church, even though he planted it. It's not about the city itself. As we read, you didn't hear anything about the magnificent city of Corinth. It was a fantastic, urban, um, advanced city in the first century. But Paul doesn't take all this time to, to talk about Corinth or how important Corinth is and the strategic opportunity that they have in this city. No, that doesn't matter to Paul. That doesn't matter to God. What matters to him is that it's God's church. It doesn't matter. He doesn't talk about how big the church is. He doesn't care if it's small. It doesn't matter if it's in a rural area or if it's in Corinth. That's only there to know where this letter is going. And that's it. It doesn't matter to him. It's God's church. You have to have the right understanding of why would we do something together as a church? Well, it's God's church. White River is God's church. That's the point. And he continues and says this, I'm writing to God's church, to you who have been called by God to be his holy people. He made you holy by means of Christ Jesus, just as he did for all people everywhere who call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I don't think you heard that because you're not falling out of your chair this morning. This church that we were talking about that is so messed up. Do you know how Paul and the Lord described them? Holy. That's insane. Did you not hear all the things that this church is doing? Paul says, you're holy. That's unbelievable to me. How are these people holy in any way? They don't seem holy to me. Well, how is this possible? He made you holy by means of Christ Jesus. You know, if you're going to jump into a spiritual workout, and I hope you are, or that you will, the first thing you have to understand is the motivation for it. And the motivation cannot be, I'm earning a relationship with God. 
because you will fail. It doesn't work that way. Right here in what is, to me, the most shocking verse in the whole book of 1 Corinthians, that the Corinthians are holy should shock you. But it also shouldn't shock you. If you know what scripture teaches and you know who Jesus is, none of us earn our relationship with God. None of us earn our status with him. He says, you're holy. Why? Jesus did it. Pretty simple, but so true and so profound that they're holy, not because of how good they're working out, but because of their faith in Jesus and Jesus alone. We have to know that when we enter a spiritual workout, that even the Corinthians are holy And so are we when we place our trust in Jesus. By virtue of their faith, not their works, they are made holy. The Greek word here for holy is a word that sometimes we use as sanctification or to be sanctified. You may have heard us use that from time to time. That word means that you are cleansed. It means that you are made right, that you are made whole. And that word is kind of tricky because typically when we use that word, we use it in like a process sense. You are being made holy over time, which is true. And scripture speaks to that. But here we see this word is kind of interesting because there's also a positional status of holiness that when we are saved, we are holy at the same time. And so there's this process that we go through of being made holy, but yet just like the Corinthians, we are holy in position and in status that if Jesus is our savior, we are holy. And that is crazy because Jesus has achieved that and he has achieved it for the Corinthians and he has achieved it for you and I. Verse two, just as he did for all people everywhere who call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. That should blow our minds. Before we jump into any kind of spiritual workout, we need to know that. You can't miss it. It's unbelievable. It's amazing. In addition to that motivation, which is not to earn a relationship with God, but it's to obey God and to do what he says. If we're going to work on our faith, we need the right tools. We need the right equipment as well. We don't just need the right motivation. We need the right tools. We need the right equipment. And so I have a question for you all. Maybe this is another confession. Does anybody have a piece of exercise equipment that is maybe in the closet? Maybe it's in the basement. Maybe it's an elliptical that has towels and it kind of dries your, uh, your towels now. It doesn't really do much exercise with you anymore. Does anybody have that? I'm looking at you, thigh master. You got any of those things out there? Or just at my house, you have, we have exercise equipment that we thought was going to be magic. The tool itself was going to fix our body. Um, we've all been there. But as much as we have been burned in that department, and we know that 
that tools are good and equipment is great and it can help you on a fitness journey. The same is true spiritually. But the good news is that you have the right tools. You have all the tools and the equipment that you need for this journey. You really do. Paul says this in verse four. I always thank my God for you, for the gracious gifts he has given you now that you belong to Christ Jesus. Through him, God has enriched your church in every way with all of your eloquent words and all of your knowledge. This confirms that what I told you about Christ is true. Now you have every spiritual gift you need. Every gift you need. God has given the Corinthian church and he has given every church, our church, everything we need to be successful in building the church. That's good news. And we don't have to worry about that motivation of earning a relationship with Jesus. And we, we don't have to worry about having the right equipment. He has given it to us and to this church. Now, what's fascinating to me is as you read this section, verses four through seven, uh, Paul is expressing so much thanks, which is again in the totally opposite of my letter to the Corinthians. Paul, being who he was, was so thankful always. It was a practice that he had, like he was grateful all the time. And, and he was thankful. He found a way to even express gratitude for the Corinthians, which I found none, but Paul found some. He says, I'm so thankful to my God that he has given you gifts. And again, you might think, man, Paul is going so easy on this church. You kind of also have to read between the lines here and see what's not there compared to some of his other letters to people like the Thessalonians and the Ephesians and the Colossians where, where he praises them. He thank you, God, for this church. I love this church. They encourage me. They are sharing the gospel with the Gentiles. I thank you, God, for their strong faith. Um, that's not here in 1 Corinthians. <laughs> he is saying, thank you, God, for giving them gifts. That's all I can come up with. <laughs> all right. He, but he's thankful for that. What a great practice that Paul engages here, but he's thankful and encouraging and acknowledging that God has given them everything they need. He's not encouraging them that they're using them. He's not encouraging them that they're doing it right because they're not, but he is thankful that the church has the right tools. And he could not be clearer. You have every spiritual gift you need. You have it. You have every gift that we need as a church to thrive. It's right here. We have all the gifts that we need to accomplish the mission that God has given us of connecting every life to Jesus. We want to engage and, and uh, impact this community we have the right tools. We should be encouraged. We have them. God has given them. That's why we're going to work out as a church together. We have it. There's one more aspect of our faith workout that we need to think about. 
as we jump into this book more. And third, it's the right attitude. We have to have the right attitude. Is there anyone that could complete a workout plan if you don't actually believe that you're gonna finish? Isn't that why your workout plan in January kind of fades? You're like, man, the year is a long way away. I am out. It's why it's really hard as I'm, I'm doing this marathon training. I, I'm seven weeks out and I'm thinking to myself, that is a long way out. I sometimes want to quit. It takes a certain attitude to finish. Could anyone finish anything physically challenging without discipline, without determination? You need that. It's going to be difficult. It's going to be hard. There are mornings when I do not want to get up. I don't. I want to stop. And you know what? That's how it is in our spiritual life as well. There are mornings when you don't want to get up early and pray for your family. There are mornings uh, when you don't want to read the word. You're tired. There are days when you're like, I'm busy at 1.41 p.m. to pray for the one person that God is asking me to pray for. There are other things I would rather do. I, I don't want to be here on Sunday. There's other stuff. I don't feel like it. Maybe you feel like you want to give up. Well, you should hear verse 8. He will keep you strong to the end so that you will be free from all blame on the day when our Lord Jesus Christ returns. He will keep you strong. When you want to give up, when it gets hard to hold your tongue, when it's difficult to live out your faith in the public square with your neighbor in your kitchen, he is with you. He will keep you strong. How long? Until the end. And you may be wondering, well, how is that even possible? How could he promise something like that? Doesn't he know me? Doesn't he know how out of shape I am? There's no way I could do this. Verse nine, God will do this. You're right. You can't do it. You won't do it. You will quit. God will do this. God is doing something in you. We need to lean into that. That is why we work out because God is doing something in us and we can trust when it seems like it's really hard that God will carry us on. God will do something in us when we trust in him. God promises we will finish. He is faithful to do what he says. Verse nine, that's because that's who God is. If he says it, he is faithful. He will accomplish it. If he promises it, it's done. And if it doesn't seem like you're very holy right now, if it feels like you're really out of shape spiritually right now, I've got good news for you. No one is too out of shape to build the kingdom of God. Just ask the Corinthians. No one is too out of shape. You are welcome to join the party. We are going to work out together. God promises it. 
And the entire Trinity, God himself, is all on the case. I don't know if you noticed this. Verse 7, he's giving spiritual gifts. That's the Holy Spirit. Jesus is involved. He is the one who is giving gifts as well. The, the, the Lord is there. It's in the name of Jesus. In verse 9, it's God and God's character as our Father who is faithful all of God, all of who he is, is on the case. He is with you and will carry you through. It's why we work out, because he is good and he is faithful. It's not because we earn it. It's because we already have it. And he wants us to get in shape for our own sake. If the Corinthian church could do it, I believe we can do it. I mean, I was kind of paying attention during the Lord's Supper, and I don't think any of you are drunk this morning, so I think we are doing okay. We can do this. We can get after it. We can execute this plan. Again, even though it's not January, and I know you're not supposed to start workout plans on Labor Day, but we're doing it. We're starting it. Just as it was crazy for me to think I could run a marathon without strength training. We're going to look in and see all the exercises in the plan here in 1 Corinthians so that we will build White River Christian Church the way that God wants us to be built. And so we have a few things that we want you to do um, for the foreseeable future. The first thing, we've already talked about it. We talked about it last week. We took a minute in our service today and we want you to jump on. Maybe you haven't, but we are serious. We want you to do this. Pray for someone at 1.41 p.m. every day. Let's do it. One of you for one other person at 1.41, we can be praying for other people and God will work. We trust it. If you aren't reading scripture, jump in in 1 Corinthians. If you don't know where to read, read 1 Corinthians with us. We're going to be doing this in September and October. Read the book. Read a chapter a day. Read some of it. Let's get through this book together. Read God's word. Come back to worship. Make it a priority. It's part of our workout. We come and we study God's word. We worship him together. It's what we're doing. But also, if you don't have a smaller group of people that are holding you accountable, that is what we are doing. We are launching new small groups. We are encouraging existing ones. If you don't have a small group, sign up today. Get involved. That is what we are doing. And it's worth it. It's the plan. And in 1 Timothy 4, something else Paul wrote, he encourages us. Verse 7 says, instead, train yourself to be godly. Physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better, promising benefits in this life and in the life to come. This endeavor that we seek to be trained in godliness is the most important thing in your life. It's really easy to think that the other things that we pursue every given day are more important, but they're not. It may be easy to be discouraged because you think, man, you don't understand. You don't understand how out of shape I am spiritually. 
Paul and the Lord Jesus are here to say there is no one today who is too out of shape to build the kingdom of God. There is not one of you that's too out of shape to come before the Lord and say, I am ready to go. Let's work out spiritually. I want to be trained in godliness. You see, this whole letter of 1 Corinthians is one giant picture of the gospel of Jesus. It starts out, like I said, you are holy. Why? Not because of anything you've done. And the rest of chapter one is all about the cross and how it's foolishness to the world. And then the last chapter of 1 Corinthians is chapter 16. It talks about the resurrection of Jesus. And so you go from the cross to the resurrection and it's all God's work and it's all for us. And we get to participate and he will carry us through to the end. Are you ready to work out? Amen. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love. We thank you for your son, Jesus, who loves us no matter our motivation, no matter what gifts we've been given, no matter our attitudes today. You are there encouraging us and challenging us no matter how out of shape we are. And we come in your presence right now seeking to be changed because we know that there's a space for us in your church. We know that you want to change us and we know that you want to use us to build the kingdom of God. Thank you, Lord, for your words that speak to us right now. That's in your name we pray. Amen.